I hope that you are excited to be here, excited to study another portion of God's Word. Tonight we will be uh, looking at a lot of scriptures, and we will be uh, starting off in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Now, all of the verses will be uh, on the uh, PowerPoint, but tonight I want to talk about, and the, the title of my lesson is, What is Hindering You? What is hindering you from the aspect of what is hindering you to worship in spirit and in truth? What is keeping you from being able to come in here and worship in a manner that's pleasing to God? Tonight I want to look at that because, you know, the Lord expects us as his children to worship him in an acceptable way. Amen? Uh, John 4, verse 23 and 24 says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This evening I want to focus our attention for just a few minutes on the things that may hinder us from worshiping in an acceptable way. The first thing that I want us to think about is just what comes from the text. What is hindering you from worshiping God in the correct way? Is it uh, being not in the Spirit? Think about that. We must worship with the right attitude. How is our attitude when we come in the door? Are a lot of things uh, weighing on us? Are a lot of things in our lives causing us to be distracted when we come in and we're supposed to be here to worship, but instead of worshiping, we find ourselves daydreaming, thinking about what's going on in our lives? Jesus in Matthew 15, verses 8 through 9, he was talking about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes, and he tells them, uh, that they say one thing and they do another. In verse 8 and 9 it says, These people draw near to me with their mouth. Oh, they act like they're worshiping me. And they honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. Think about that. Again, these were the leaders of the Jewish nation. These were the ones who were supposed to lead God's people in the right direction. And Jesus blatantly calls them out and he says that you draw near to me with your mouth. You make it seem like you really care. And you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Now that wasn't just a guess. Jesus knows everything. He even knows the intent of the heart. Amen. So these leaders were literally not caring at all for anything that he was saying, anything that was going to go against what they needed to get done. It says, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Where is our mind centered? 
Is our mind on the Lord when we come in here? You know, Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's only one person that we should have our mind on when we come in here, and that is the Lord. What does that do for us when we come in here? It gives us an escape, doesn't it? Doesn't the world bear you down? Doesn't it weigh you down all throughout the week when you come uh, and go to work? And you sit down and you think about those things. Uh, Derek just talked about it at uh, the Devo worship at uh, Richland for the youth, which was a great time, by the way. We had a great service over there. But he talked about worrying. And think about that. When you come in here, is it a time for you to worry about what's going on in your life? Only if it's contrary to God's word, amen? This is the time where you can sit and focus on what he wants you to do. This is the time where you can sit and give him the praise that only he deserves and not just give lip service. And not just give an outwards appearance and really could care less on the inside. Where is our mind centered? Where is our focus? Is our focus to come and worship Him? Are we excited to be here when we get here? Do we have a happy heart to be here? Or do you do like I do so many times and you argue with Libby, you get here, you... You, you almost give her a whooping. You know, you, you have this tough time to try and get here. And by the time you get here, you're just so in a frenzy that you can't even focus the right way. Brethren, that not ought to be how we are when we come in here. We ought to come in here with our minds centered and focused on praising the God of all creation. Do we praise him for what he's really done? Think about what 2 Corinthians 5.21 really means, brethren. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we partake of the Lord's Supper. That's why we listen to a message from God's Word. That's why we pray to Him. Amen? We pray to Him because of what He has done for us. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might be righteous. That we might have a chance to be saved. The second thing to consider this evening... Is the way your spirit is hindering you? Or is it because you're not worshiping in truth? Our worship has to be based on the truth, doesn't it? Our worship and the way we do it has to be based on true principles. How do we find out where the truth is? From God's word, don't we? 
You remember in John 17, 17, when Jesus is praying and he's praying for uh, himself and then the apostles, and then he's praying for us later on in that chapter. But in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Why would he say sanctify them by your truth? Because of the next part of the verse. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by what you say. Brethren, when we, and, and we talked about this uh, in class this morning, when we want to do wise things, when we want to do the right thing, where do we go to find out how to do it? God's word, amen? We go to God's word and we find out what the truth is. I read it just a few moments ago, but Matthew 15, 9, remember what Jesus says to the Pharisees. He says, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. What were they doing? They were binding man's commands on them as doctrine. They were telling them that they needed to do these things because that's what the law required. When really and truly what they were doing was binding things on people so they could be the one in authority. You know, partial error is still error, isn't it? Just a little bit of error is error, isn't it? Just a little bit of a little something that's not true is still true. You know, if you go to your mom and you're trying to get out of the situation and you say, you know what, it's really not that bad of a lie. Maybe just the beginning of it is. I'm really telling the truth on some of the... It's still a lie, ain't it? It's still a lie. If it's just a little bit of it, it's not true. And I want you to think about this. God's word gives us five ways in which we worship him. Five ways to sing Ephesians 5, 19. Is that not found in the Bible? To sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord? This is beautiful when you think about what God has established for us in the New Testament. As New Testament Christianity <clears throat> is shown, we see God gives us the way to worship Him. And it doesn't have to be with everybody else, it has to be with me and Him. And because me and Him are having our worship time together, therefore everybody else edifies and builds us up because they are worshiping the same way, amen? I don't come in here and worship because I want all of you to look at me. I can't sing that good. But it doesn't matter because me and God are having worship time. I'm praising his name because of what he's done for me. I'm going to be filled with the spirit and I'm going to sing and I'm going to make melody in my heart because I want to praise his name. Not only singing, but the Lord's Supper. In Acts 20, verse 7, it talks about how they came together on the first day of the week to break bread. Paul was on his way back to Jerusalem. Paul was trying to get back there, but he stopped and he took some time in Troas and they came together for the purpose of breaking bread on the first day of the week. Why is the first day, why is uh, the Lord's Supper so important for us? Why is the Lord's Supper such a big deal? 
Because as often as we eat the bread and we drink the cup, what do we do? We proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And we're going to look at some verses about that in just a few minutes, a little bit more in depth. But another thing that God's word gives us is prayer. In Acts 2.42, it talked about uh, they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. With prayer and the breaking of bread, they were listening to what the apostles said and they were taking time to pray to God. Hey, listen to this, brethren. When you pray, God hears you. Isn't that awesome? You don't just pray to a wooden idol that doesn't do anything, that can't hear you anyway. No, you pray to a God who hears your prayers. What a blessing it is to be in Christ, amen? What a blessing it is to be a child of God and be able to ask him and come boldly to his throne in times of need, in times of sorrow. But here's the question. Do you come to him in times of joy? when everything's going like it's supposed to go? Do we come to the Lord in prayer in those times? But when we come together for worship, when we come together to worship the Lord and somebody offers a prayer up, isn't that encouraging? We thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. We thank you for all the many blessings and all of us as we've bowed our heads and we're praying and listening to the Lord, we have a time of worship with him. We have a time to think about the things that are said and think about our lives and think about the things that need to maybe be changed in our lives. But not only prayer, but contribution. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 talks about how on the first day of the week, they were to lay aside things. They were to lay aside some money, not with a grudging heart, not with a bad attitude, Not because they just were commanded to do it, but no, with a cheerful heart. Because they were excited to be able to give to further the kingdom of God. How is that, brethren? How is that for you when you drop that in the plate? I don't have to see it. The elders don't have to see it because you know what? That doesn't matter the amount. If it's happy and cheerful in your heart, the way you're given, amen? God knows your heart. God knows how much money you make. God knows how much you can give. You have a time with God every first day of the week, and you can worship him by giving whatever the amount is. Not only contribution, but also preaching. Also in Acts 27, it talked about when they came together, Paul preached... To them. He came together and he spoke words that were uplifting, words that would help them, would encourage them, maybe words that they needed to hear because they were struggling in some area. Whatever that was, they came together, and what a blessing it is uh, to see every single one of you here tonight wanting to hear from God's Word. How pleasing that is to God. How happy that makes Him to see his people wanting to do his will. So we've got to remember that the way that we worship God in the spirit can affect us. It can hinder the way we worship. And also if we're 
not listening to the truth, if we're not doing things in a truthful manner, that will absolutely hinder our worship, won't it? But the third thing, serving the devil. You know, Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, devil in Matthew 4, uh, verses 8 through 10, I want to read. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you. Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You know, you can't serve the Lord living like the devil, can you? What's the sign say out front? That you can't walk with God if you're holding hands with the devil. Isn't that a true statement? Isn't that so true? Remember just a little bit? A little bit ruins it, don't it? You know, if you, you, you do the things that you really want to do on the weekend, on Fridays and Saturdays, you really do what you want to do, and maybe there's some sin involved in it, and then you come in on Sunday, and then you just pretend like it's all right. You know, I remember doing that for many years in my life. I remember going out and partying as hard as I could, and I'm not telling you no lie. On Friday and Saturday, that's what I was doing. And I'd get to feeling bad, and I'd come to church on Sunday smelling like liquor and think, you know what, it's all good. Everything's all right now because I checked my box. I did what I needed to do, and now God's pleased with me. He forgave me, and now I can go on doing what I normally do. That hinders your worship, brethren. When you think about the worldly things and the things that are really fun all throughout the week and then you come and just give Jesus a little bit of an hour, but you're really not thinking about him anyways because you're already worried about what you're going to do when you leave. That's hindering our worship. That's not true worship to the king who said, you know what, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. On the cross. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. And it's okay. I'm going to do it anyway. Would you die for somebody who was laughing at you? Would you die for somebody who says... I ain't really going to follow your rules, man. <laughs> really? If you say you're the king, then come down from the cross, man. If you say you're God Almighty, if you say you're the one who can forgive sins, come down from the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. But brethren, are we just taking that for granted and doing the things that we want to do and then expect to come in here and have pleasing worship that's acceptable to God? I think not, brethren. 
What a scary thing to think about. When it should be an exciting time, when it should be something that we look forward to, we get to come together with like-minded people to praise the King of Kings. The one who gave us everything. When Jesus was accused of casting demons out by Beelzebub in Matthew chapter 12, you know, the ruler of demons, Jesus says every kingdom divided against itself uh, brought, is brought to desolation. He says that doesn't even make any sense. But in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, down towards the end of that conversation, he says, He who is not with me, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Boy, that's an eye-opener, ain't it? That's something to really think about. Jesus said, if you love me, if you want to be my follower, then you're going to keep my commandments. If you really and truly care about me, I can see it by the fruit that you bear. And the fruit that you're going to bear is the things that I say to do. But he who is not with me is against me. Boy, I don't want to be against Jesus, do you? I don't want to be against Jesus. But if I'm living like the devil, then my worship is absolutely not acceptable to God. It is not in the right manner. It is not in the right way. And the fourth thing for this evening. A lack of reverence. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And I want to look at a familiar area of Scripture, but I want to focus our minds on this as we get ready to go out into the week to think about this as we prepare to deal with the world, as we prepare to deal with our families. Christmas is coming. I know that people are gathering together to be... Uh, with each other. But do we have a real reverence for Jesus? Do we have a real reverence for the Father? Do we have a real reverence for who He is? Or do we have a real reverence for ourselves? Look at what verse 9 says. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now before we get into that, is that you? Are you one who trusts in yourself and believes that you're really righteous? Not in a good way, but in a terrible way. Do you despise others? 
Well, look at verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Is that how we come in the door? Do we come in the door knowing that we are sinners? Do we come in the door knowing that without his blood, we will not be saved? Do we come in the door knowing that without him, all is lost? You know, we can talk and talk about whether God is real, whether God is whatever. So many people say that they just don't believe in God, and I just cannot figure out how. But you know what? If God is real, then sometime in your life, whether you live your whole life and die of an old age, or you're murdered, or you die sick, whatever it is, you are going to die and what a scary place to be not trusting in God. Amen? If he ain't real, then it don't matter anyway, right? But if he's real, boy, what a scary situation. What a scary situation to put your faith in yourself and say, you know what? I got this. I'm just going to live like I've been living. But here's what is even more scarier. For a child of God, somebody who's heard the truth, who knows right from wrong to say, you know what, I'm glad I'm not like everybody else. <laughs> Matter of fact, if, if y'all would just come over here, I got about five stories I want to tell you about all the Bible studies I got going on, about all the things that I'm doing at the nursing homes. I want to tell you about all the stuff that I got in my life and what you got going on. Because, boy, I'm glad I ain't like Derek. Boy, I'm glad I ain't like Roman. Let me tell you about them for a minute. <laughs> uh, but if you want to learn how to be a real Christian, if you want to learn how to really do it, if you want to learn how to train yourself to be a terrible singer and then become a great singer like me, I teach you. Because I know I'm a good singer now. I started out terrible, but, boy, I got it down. High notes, low notes, bass, tenor, whatever. I got it. Think about that. And you know I'm, I'm jumping way out on this. I'm, I'm elaborating so much to the extreme. But really, brethren, think about that. Are we so caught up in ourselves that we forget who we really come to worship? Look at what verse 14 says. He says, I tell you this, man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. The more humble you come in this door, the more humble you come to really sing praises to his name, to really pray, to really hear God's word for just a few minutes, to really partake of the Lord's Supper in a manner that's pleasing to him, he will exalt you. Man, 
He's the one who will exalt you. You know, we think that we got to do all these things and we'll build ourselves up and then we can exalt ourselves up to this high place, right? No. True, confident, strong, a firm foundation, being exalted by God, it will not fall, right? We sung this song at the camp in uh, for the little kids. The wise man built his house upon himself, right? The wise man built his house upon himself. When the rains came down, he stood outside and he was able to make a tent really fast to cover up all the... No. The wise man built his house upon the rock. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 through 29 says this. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. Brethren, when we take the Lord's Supper, do we do that? Do we take a moment to think about the things that we've done the past week? Do we think about the way that we've acted maybe towards our wife or our husband or or our children or a co-worker or whatever the situation, our teacher at school? Have we been super disrespectful to our teachers at school? Because they told us to sit down and we said, eh, it don't matter. I'm about to graduate anyway. I ain't got to fool with that anymore. I just got two more years and I'm out of this place. It don't matter. It says, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. When I take that bread and I take that cup, it's a moment for me to say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up this week. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't say what I was supposed to say, but I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Didn't Jesus come in grace and truth? He says, I'll forgive you. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful to forgive you. And not only to forgive you, but to cleanse you. That's truth. And grace is, you know what? You don't deserve this forgiveness, but I'm going to offer it to you. And I offer it to you as much as I can, if you'll take it. But do we examine ourselves? Verse 29 says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. And catch the last part of that. Not discerning the Lord's body. How much reverence do we show to the Lord? For what he did for us. Isn't it an exciting time to come in here to know that we've been forgiven of our sins? Or is that just not that big of a deal anymore? That used to, I used to be excited about that, but I mean, that was 17 years ago. I've been a Christian for 17 years. That stuff just kind of gets old. I want to close with this thought. Way back early on, and I think I've used this illustration before uh, a little bit, kind of uh, in a different way, but when Cain didn't worship the Lord uh, in the right manner, with the right heart, 
when he just kind of threw some stuff together and gave it to God, what happened? God rejected it, didn't he? He rejected him. But in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, I want you to think about this. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Cain was in a bad way, wasn't he? Cain didn't get his offering accepted, and therefore it made him mad. His countenance had fallen. And verse 7 says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? Maybe you haven't been worshiping in the right way. Maybe you have been letting things distract you as you come in here. And you're not singing like you're supposed to be singing. Maybe you're not praying like you're supposed to be praying. Maybe you're not partaking of the Lord's Supper the right way. Maybe you just aren't listening. And I'm sorry if I'm boring. I'm trying not to be, I promise. If I put you to sleep, I apologize. Because that is not my intent at all. But God tells Cain, and God tells us too, if you do well, if you do it the right way, will I not accept it? Absolutely. And if you do not do well, here's the danger, brethren. Continue to come in here with the same attitude. Continue to come in here and be hindered as you come and worship the Lord. And look at what it says. Sin will lie at your door. As soon as you step out the door, there it is. You walk in a big puddle of mess. Shoes always dirty. Clothes never clean. He says, and if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. It's all up to us how we want to worship the king. It's all up to us how we want to come in here uh, and worship the Lord. Do we want to come in here with all kinds of complaints and problems and arguments and fussing? Or do we want to come in here and say, you know what? It's time to praise the Lord. It's time to sit down and get serious about who I serve and why I serve him. Because look at the last part of it. It says, but you should rule over it. We have the choice. We have the choice to make the right decision or the wrong decision. We have the choice to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to worship the king because he's worthy to be praised. Amen. So how is your worship to the Lord? Is it hindered? You know, we plan for all these times that we're going to do all these things and we got all these events going on in our lives. And then when it comes to church, are you like, man, it's church night. <laughs> I just need a break. It's too much. It's too much. I'm tired. Been at work all week. I'm wore out. Or do we say, you know what? He's worthy to be praised. And no matter if I'm tired or not, I'm going to go worship the king tonight. I'm going to go worship the king this morning. I'm going to go be with my brethren. I'm going to go talk about the Lord. 
I'm going to go sing praises to him because without him, I'm nothing. Let's make sure that we don't allow anything to hinder us from our worship to the Lord. Brethren, I hope you have a good week. Be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid. The Lord your God is with you each and every day. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling. Maybe you're here and you need prayers. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to become a child of God. Don't wait. Don't wait. One day it'll all be over. Don't be like uh, the rich man in Luke chapter 16 that once he was dead wanted uh, Abraham to send all kinds of people back to tell his family. <laughs> just, just go back and tell them so they don't end up where I'm at. Don't be like that. Be confident in, to know where you're going. Be confident to know that heaven will be your home one day. You do it by obedience to the gospel. Believe in who Jesus is. Repenting of your sins. Turning from the way that you're living. Say, I'm not going to live like that anymore. No, I'm going to uh, live in a different way. Being not ashamed to confess his name before men, saying, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Being baptized in water for the remission of your sins. And that's biblical. Ananias told Paul, what are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And then live in a faithful life until death. And Jesus said, if you do that, I'll give you the crown of life, man. Forever you can live with me. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing. <laughs>